Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm taking your calls and your questions this afternoon. Uh, The way it works, you need a call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or text... You can text at 720-336-0897, uh, and either way, we'll communicate what's on your mind and heart over the air. Uh, Calvary Live is carried across the country, uh, so I want to welcome everyone, our friends on Hope FM, Truth FM, uh, Freedom Radio. You guys just joined us a couple months ago. Welcome aboard. Uh, our friends in Boise, Idaho, uh, of course, up and down the front range of Colorado here on the Grace FM radio network and ever the stations that have uh, picked up uh, along the way. Uh, so we want to welcome you. We're glad that you're with us. 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Just got a text here. Lance asked for prayer. He's had a rough day. Father, I pray for my brother Lance as he uh, has just uh, been bombarded and overwhelmed by the day and by the circumstances of the day. And I wonder how many listening in uh, have faced the same thing, Uh, just overwhelming days, overwhelming challenges. uh, And I pray for that uh, comfort and encouragement that only comes by the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, the text from Lance is a a great reminder of why we still have our midweek Bible study, a a larger gathering, not just small groups, uh, but larger gathering midweek just for for situations like this where you can come uh, and be a part of the family. Of course, uh, for us, our midweek Bible study is a little different uh, than our services on the weekend because, you know, less people come on Wednesday so we can do more things as a large church, which is kind of cool. Uh, so we pray together. Uh, we take communion together. Uh, we sing together. We study the Bible together. Uh, but we do so, you know, hundreds of people instead of thousands of people. And uh, it's a really beautiful thing. And we, I, I was able, um, I had the privilege of leading um, uh, our prayer time last time. It was beautiful. Uh, it's encouraging to pray with the saints, and I want to invite you out. Come on out tonight here at Calvary Church. We're studying. We've got two more studies tonight and one more, and we'll finish the book of Second Peter. So we went through First Peter, Second Peter. Um, I, I chose those books, I believe, from the Holy Spirit because of the days in which we live. Peter's writing to people under great persecution. I just think it's a great, uh, powerful word for you and me going through different things. Uh, and and then we're going to go from Peter to Jude, and one of the reasons, I've already taught through Jude, um, but 
we can't find the digital files, which is fine because it was probably many, many years ago. So I'm going to reteach Jude so that when I'm done with Jude, then I will have taught through verse by verse the entire New Testament. Um, our goal, of course, at Calvary is the whole Bible, but I could never take an approach like my pastor Chuck Smith did where I could do two, three, four, five chapters at a time. Um, as a matter of fact, I probably do you know, four or five verses at a time. Even tonight, we're going to cover three verses. I just don't want to uh, skip. It's hard for me personally to skip. However, after 20 years, we finally got New Testament in in the online, and those are all available on our app or on our website, calvaryco.church, or be sure to download the app. We use it extensively here at the church. Just go to your app store, whatever you use, and put in my name, Ed Taylor, and uh, our app will pop up, and you have access to everything, uh, and then we send out encouragements and reminders, and it's just such a neat, neat tool. I was just thanking God for that tool this afternoon, um, just thinking of how we can communicate so much better using the app. Um, so thanks for all those people that that created it and did it and put it together, and then the team here that gets everything updated. Um, pretty cool. All right, well, we're uh, taking your calls and your questions. We'll be here tonight, 7 p.m., 7 p.m. We're at Hampton and Tower. Anyone outside of the Denver metro area, just tune in online. Uh, you can listen on Grace FM app if you want to listen to audio, the Grace FM app, or gracefm.com because we broadcast live on our local radio station here. Uh, or you can watch online. Um, you know, Of course, we're using all that, YouTube, Facebook, our app, um, so many other places available to you. So use them as unto the Lord. All right, let's go over to Pennsylvania. Kathy's on the on the line waiting. Uh, Kathy, welcome to the program. Hello. Hi. How are you tonight? Hi. I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing well. I just have a question about Matthew 24. I've okay. heard people preach this different ways, um, like 36 through 39 seems to be talking about a group of people prior to the tribulation period, because it, it correlates it with Noah. But right before that, it says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall not pass away. So it seems to be talking about maybe towards the end of the tribulation. The reason I'm asking is because verses 40 and 41, they taught them that that actually uh, correlated back with Zechariah 14.2, talking about the Jews, how half of them would be taken and half of them would remain. And so they said the one being taken and one being one remaining was actually talking about Jerusalem and the people there in in right before the second coming, and it kind of does correlate because when you go back with uh, earlier in the passage, it talks about the the vultures gathering, and in Revelation 19, where where it actually talks about Jesus coming back in the second coming, it talks about the vultures gathering there. Sure. Well, you hit it on the head in terms of the debate over this section of Scripture. Uh, some would look at this and refer to the second coming. Others would come and refer to the rapture. I, I think that Jesus, he goes in and out answering. Remember, he's answering questions here uh, that are asked in this all of it discourse. And he comes to verse 36. He says, of that day... Uh, no man, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, only my Father. Then he begins to describe the days prior, right? So as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Uh, and then, you know, he's given a broad 
description of the days prior, starting in verse 36, the days before the flood, all the behavior, the uh, you know the lack of uh, whether it's population explosion or the abnormal sexual sin or just the wickedness and evil of the imaginations of of people's hearts and even violence filling the earth. His admonition to them is to be ready. Right, verse forty four is really the key, and that's what happens when we are when we're looking at passages like this. They get there many times we get caught up in the controversy. Uh, or many people get caught up in the controversy and miss some of the things that are more clear. Uh, And so I think that things that are clear in this text, no one knows the day or the hour, so we can dismiss anybody that says they do. We know that prior to the culmination of human history, whether it's just before the Great Tribulation, rapture, after the Great Tribulation, second coming, there's going to be some wild living. And I don't think the wild living is going to end at the rapture. So it could fit both categories. Uh, And then, of course, two men in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women in the grinding at the mill, one will be taken, the other left. Is that a reference to the rapture? Some people believe it is. Other people believe it isn't. Uh, Could it fit? It could definitely fit a um, passage. It could definitely fit the teachings of the rapture. Um, But I don't believe definitively. I mean, because if you take definitively, as he's saying, literal, 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 literal. Then you get to 40, literal. That means 50% of the people are going to be raptured if you took it that literally. Um, maybe maybe Jesus is beginning to give some uh, I, s- more of a metaphorical picture of the rapture. But the essence is this, verse 42. Watch, therefore, for you don't know the hour the Lord, your Lord is coming. You are, we're to live in a perpetual sense of, of watching, waiting, and hastening the coming of the Lord. And then he says in verse 44, you also be ready. The Son of Man is coming in an hour that you don't expect. And then he starts talking about the wise and faithful. And then he talks about the readiness of the virgins, chapter 25. And I think that's really the essence of what Jesus is wanting us to to get from his Olivet Discourse is be ready, be watchful, be ready. I'm coming again and... There's a lot of debate on some of the other pieces. Okay. Well, one of the other things that I've always wondered about then, too, was um, the the destruction of Israel, where he says about how they need to get out of town really fast and all that. Is that, was that, because that was before the Romans, um, before it was destroyed after Jesus' time, was that that invasion, or or was, was that the invasion then, too, of Zechariah, or don't we really know? Well, I mean, the reality of what Jesus is speaking is far into the future. So if if it does correlate to anything present day in the, you know, the historic time of Jesus, then it has a second uh, fulfillment eternally, right? Because the context of what Jesus is teaching is far, far ahead uh, into the future. Uh, and so the reality of any kind of, the, the there's definitely a, an instruction to Jewish people, Right there's no doubt about Jesus is speaking to a Jewish audience primarily, um, and warning them in a Jewish context. I mean, even back from the fig tree, as you're walking through um, every line upon line, and then you finally get, you know, to the end, uh, the faithful and wise servant uh, waiting for the faithful and wise servant to come. You know, if there is a if there is a fulfillment, um, looking at did you say what did you say, Zechariah? Yeah, 
Zechariah 14, but that's basically the invasion right before of Jerusalem, right before his second coming. Um, so. That's about what I got for you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for that. calling. Bless you guys. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. This is uh, the fun part of Bible study, really, uh, digging in uh, prophetically, although uh, you can come to different pa- different passages with different conclusions, but it definitely is a fun um, series of studies to put piece to piece together. One of the things I like to do is then, again, as you're studying the various passages, uh, even looking at, we recently went through the book of Daniel here, and I did a series within Daniel called Understanding the Times, where we went over uh, a lot of this, especially when it comes uh, into verse 40. Um, you know, when it comes into verse 40, the two views are, is this the rapture or not? Taken, uh, that word paralabano, um, is used three other times in the scriptures, and it talks about Jesus taking you specifically. So perhaps he's using metaphorical language, not necessarily 50% of the population, but metaphorical language where he will take you personally, right? That instead of coming, the second coming, coming to the earth with the saints in the rapture, he's coming in the air for his saints to be taken to him. So you know, you can make your argument either way, um, but the, the the what's understandable is that watchfulness, that watchfulness, that watchfulness, because it will change your life. Uh, remember, uh, I believe it was Titus. Let me see if I can find it real, and I'll get back to the phone lines. You guys hang on. Um, but in Titus chapter 2 and verse 13, really, let's go to verse 12, Titus 2, 12. Um, let's see here. It says, teaching us, oh, Willie, let's move up to verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, that'll have everything to do with the days of Noah, right? We should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present age, looking for, listen, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that that's a great passage to fit into the, all of the discourse in relation to the lifestyle on which, on which we live, and that we don't get caught up in all the little details of the end times, but rather the bigger details of our own personal life in living for him. All right, let's go back now, come back home here to Denver, Colorado. Jeremiah, welcome to the program. I'm good. What can I do for you? Um, I needed some prayer for my marriage. Um, my wife has a pretty serious alcohol problem, and uh, it's been really wrecking things. And um, I just been kind of at a loss as to what to do. Mm. I, you know, it's happened over and over and over again. So I finally. I told her I would kick her out of the house if she did it again, and she did, and I followed through on that, and she's um, kind of been in a binge drinking thing for the last four days, 
and I can't get a hold of her, and she's just thrown off the deep end, and I really am worried for her. All right, let's pray for her. Father Jeremiah needs wisdom, uh, and Lord, your word says if any of us lack wisdom, that we can come to you and that you will give it to us liberally without reproach. And I pray for Jeremiah as he's in a position right now where he doesn't know what to do with his wife or how to respond after the last few days of separation and binge drinking and, and even overall, Lord, how, how to love a wife. It's very difficult to love. Um, I pray, God, that you would help Jeremiah with the decisions that he can make for himself, Lord, that he would make those decisions for the things that he does control first, um, instead of those decisions that he doesn't control uh, with his wife. And I know that as we ask for you for wisdom, you can you can, and you will give it according to your word. And so I do pray, God, that there would be a breakthrough, perhaps even as a result of this phone call, a breakthrough for the wisdom that's needed in the life of my brother Jeremiah. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, keep us up to date, Jeremiah. All right, thanks. All right. All right, back to Aurora, Colorado. Joe, welcome to the program. Hello, can you hear me? Joe, you're on the air. Yep. I could use a prayer for my father. He's in his mid-50s, and he's struggling a bit with comparing his current job title and financial situation to other friends of his and specifically where his father was at his point in life and uh, we are by no means hurting my parents have taken great care of us it's just my dad's having a bit of a struggle comparing his status with other people father i pray for joe and his dad and just in that cycle of comparison and you know thinking i was thinking back um uh, teaching through the Bible, and we were just in that phrase, like where we we didn't think we'd be where we are at this stage. And I pray for uh, Joe's dad. That's where he's at right now. He didn't think he'd be where he is right now, and he's struggling and battling with it, and just really assessing his life. God, I pray contentment into his life, a satisfaction that can only come by accepting Your will for his life. And I do pray specifically for that contentment, Lord, according to your word. And I pray for Joe as he ministers to his pops and encourages him and prays for him. And I mean, what a blessing to have a son pray for his dad. And uh, and so I pray over this family and lift them up to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. much i appreciate that and if you wouldn't mind one more prayer request uh mm-hmm. one for my fiance and i we are currently okay. in marriage prep classes we're going to be getting married within the catholic church and uh i would just pray that our preparation goes well and that our marriage next summer goes well and prospers for the rest of our lives okay can i ask you a question sure why did you guys choose to get married in the catholic church uh, I'm what you would call a cradle Catholic. She okay. has been baptized in the Catholic Church, 
And yeah. as we've been getting closer, we've been friends for seven years. And in the last year, we've been dating and got engaged. Uh, she's been going to church with me and stuff, and she's quite fascinated by it. And her mother is Catholic and was hoping that she would get to Catholicism on her own one day. And through me, she wants to join in the church and the church. Have you have you have you ever been born again? Uh oh, I can't hear you. It's cut now. Have, have you have you ever been born again, Joe? Have I ever been born again? Yeah. That's an excellent question. I have definitely felt a very strong presence of God, especially when I was in college. I was very active in college ministry and uh, you know, being an active Christian while I was in college. And I have had some very powerful moments where I yes. realized that the world makes no sense without God and without Him as the Creator. And at uh, one point, I almost felt a call to go into seminary to see if priesthood was right for me, but yes. ultimately, I didn't feel that was quite right. Well, I'm glad I'm glad that you're listening into the station because as much there's so much that we do share in common with Roman Catholicism, but there are some really significant differences with uh, a biblical biblically based relationship with Jesus, like a personal relationship and a relationship with the man-made religion of Roman Catholicism, you know, that that what they would call sacramental relationship. You kind of mentioned it earlier when you talked about being uh, your fiancé being baptized into um, Roman Catholicism. That's part of their sacramental, or what we might say today, a works-based relationship with God that's, that requires layers of religious activity in order to be right with God. And of course, we would disagree with that. Um, but I'd love to pray for your marriage. God honors marriage. Um, and I'd also invite you, um, I'd invite you to email me. I want to send you a, a little packet on discipleship of what just taking you uh, beyond me and beyond the Roman Catholic Church and take you right to the Bible on really key things. I think it would be very beneficial for you and your wife to do together, um, or excuse me, your fiance, future wife to do together, um, just getting beyond man and get right to the Bible. And this tool will help you. Uh, I can send you a link. You can print it out. Uh, and it'll really help you just get right. Because I know that I know that with with the Bible and the Holy Spirit with your Bible, he can make it come alive to you and bring you to a place where you recognize that no man, no religion, no system, even though it's enthralling and it's very liturgical and it's very formal, um, none of that can change a life and change a soul. So um, let me pray for you and then email me. My email is on uh, is ed. Uh, at edtaylor.org. Um, O-R-G is super important. And and I, I wanna, I'm going to continue to pray for you. I'm going to remember you, Joe, by name, and I'm going to be praying for you because you're so close. And it Jesus was, Jesus was the one that gave us um, that phrase, a man must be born again. That's why it's such a critical question 
Uh, a man, a woman must be born again. There is no other way to salvation. No church. Calvary can't bring you to church. The Baptist can't bring you to salvation. Calvary can't bring you to salvation. Roman Catholicism, Lutheranism, Presbyterian, all of the all of the man-made layers of organization cannot bring a man or a woman to uh, true spiritual life. And you guys are so close. And I'd love to be a part of seeing you guys go all the way and receive the Lord Jesus. Uh, so what happened with my, my wife, a lifelong Catholic? What happened with her mom? And as we still continue to pray for her family. So I pray for Joe, God, this whole family, um, just, just where they are, um, what they're facing, uh, Joe and his future marriage. Your word says marriage is honorable, and you have a great future in line for this couple that's going to become one uh, spiritually, mystically. A threefold cord is not easily broken. And so I pray, God, that you would be with Joe. And even more so, I pray for, uh, I pray specifically for Joe and his fiance that, God, they might receive the fullness of what you offer in forgiveness, not through a man, not through penance, not through confession to a man, but rather a personal, dynamic, born-again relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Look forward to hearing from you, Joe, ed at edtaylor.org. We got pure open lines, guys, completely open lines, 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Text me seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Here's a text. It says I know the importance of forgiving, and I'm doing that hopefully, but I do want justice. Am I still forgiving if I ask God for justice? I believe you can still be forgiving, while at the same time asking God for justice. Um, your desire for justice is not a bad one. I believe God put it in your heart. Uh, and I believe that the desire that we have for right and wrong is something that's God-given. Uh, and your desire for justice can coincide directly with forgiveness. Forgiveness is an act. Um, and it's a, you know, the obviously it's just a text question. We can't talk about it because you're not on the line. But, you know, there's multi-layers here. So I'm giving you a simple answer to a simple text. But you know as well as I do that super heavy layered situation when it comes to forgiveness and then also at the same time wanting justice. So you you could, it could be incompatible. You know, you, you could want to see vengeance. Um, you could, it probably goes back and forth. You know, there's probably days where you're like, okay, Lord, uh, I trust you. And then other days, Lord, heap coals on their head. And uh, But I, I think of a lot of situations, you know, of even that have come through our family where there's been uh, murder. Yeah, I mean, even we've experienced that. And, and I know we have family members that, go, that, that they do have a sense of regular forgiveness, but they also want that person to... Um, pay their debt to society for taking another life and not be uh, out there able to take another life. So you know how that can go together or, um, you know, you just want your prayer just becomes, Lord, I trust you. 
it's hard, but I trust you. You know, in the early days, some situations in my life, justice, Lord, justice. But now, you know, eight years later, Lord, I trust you. I don't know exactly why or what's going on in this evil, evil decisions made that, that have hurt our family. But I'm, I'm not so interested in justice anymore. How can you replace eight years? You'll never get that kind of justice. It'll never happen. You can't get it back. You know, the Lord can restore years that the locust has eaten for sure. But, you know, I'm going to leave justice in the hands of the Lord. He's going to take care of it. And he will take care of it. Trust me. He will be. He is. By his nature, God is just. Oh, he will take care of it. You bet. We'll be right back. This is Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back to Calvary Live. Grateful that you have chosen to join us. 303-690-3000 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. Taking your calls and your questions. 303-690-3000. Or text me, 303-720-336-0897. I know it's a lot of numbers, uh, but if you just put them into your contact list in your phone, Put the number 303-690-3000 as Calvary Live, and then the 720-336-0897 number as Calvary Live text. Then you can use it any time the Lord uh, would lay it on your heart to um, uh, to use them uh, as on to the Lord. And that make it easier when you're driving around and... Uh, being used of the Lord in these days and just maybe there's something you just got this question and you go you can just tell your phone to dial the number for you while you're driving and anyway great stuff uh here's a great question came in via text 7203360897 in Matthew 7:1 it says do not judge others or you'll be judged how do we respond to all this new lgbtq stuff in the workplaces and in other circumstances? I think it's a great question, and I'm grateful that you combined it together with Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 7, by far one of the most misunderstood. Uh, I, I think when I taught through this, I said this is probably in the top 10 of misinterpreted verses because it's used in such a way to somehow... in uh, somehow. Um, uh, Im, Im, intimate that Jesus was saying you're never supposed to judge ever ever in your whole life, which is not possible, right? It, it, that's not a that's not possible contextually, um, because even Jesus, uh, uh, as he's teaching this, he talks about the the ability for you to have to tell who has a plank in your eye, a speck in your eye. In verse 6, he says, don't give holy what is to dogs. Now you're going to have to judge who's the dogs, who's not the dogs. Cast your pearl before swine. You're going to have to figure out who swine are or not. So it's not a prohibition completely against judging. We make judgments all the time. Um, you know, even biblically, right? We need to 
judge between right doctrine, false doctrine, right teaching, false teaching, good example, bad example, those that unite, those that divide. We're making judgments all the time. What I believe the prohibition in John, in Matthew chapter 7, when Jesus says, judge not, lest that you not be judged, because with the judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. I believe the prohibition here is not a, a complete uh, elimination of judging, but rather a admonition of Jesus to, in the backdrop of the Pharisees and the scribes, not to hypercritically or hypocritically judge. Uh, and so we can make a judgment upon behaviors uh, within the LGBTQ community. However, the judgment that we make is that they're lost, they're confused, and they're worthy of the gospel. Um, you, For some reason, we have... The church at large, specifically in the Western culture, has forgotten that we are in this world, but we're not of this world. And this world is under the sway of the wicked one. The thoughts and intents of this world, the world, you know, even with our system of government that's more representative than most any other country ever before for the last 200 years, still has unbelievers, those that um, perhaps even God-haters, in positions of power and decision-making, and we're going to suffer the consequence of that. I mean, all throughout the scriptures, I mean, when you think of Jesus being born into the uh, under the authority of the Roman Empire, could there be a more uh, wicked, cruel um, oversight of the world at the time? Um, even though I think they were probably a little better than the Amalekites and the Philistines and some of the more um, you know, Babylonians, the um, Assyrians, um, but for some reason we think uh, all of a sudden we're having Christians like I can't believe it, I can't believe it. Stop the madness! Stop. Well, th- this is this is what it's like living in the world. This is it. We're in the world. How do we deal with the LGBTQ stuff in the workplace? We we deal with it very carefully, very prayerfully, acknowledging that this is a human being that precedes the LGBTQ part of their identity. They've been created in the image of God. So it would do well for us to befriend. It would do well for us to love and to care and to serve. It would do well for us to step into their lives and learn from them, listen to them, uh, just like any other sinner. I mean, that uh, LGBTQ is not a part of my past, but man, I was lost as lost could be. And how is it that I find myself a follower of Jesus today? People loved me and stepped into my life and didn't allow the drama of of sin in my life to repel them. Um, But, you know, I think I was thinking, I don't know, I I was going through my my contacts list recently and and this sister, uh, man, I can't remember her name, um, but I can remember her face. God had put this sister uh, in my life, an older woman, that... Uh, I worked with, she worked in a, I worked for this little mom and pop company. She worked in the other building. There were two buildings on the property and, but she would often walk over to my dispatch office. Uh, and, and she would just be the kindest, most gentlest. Uh, and she would share her life with me. Um, she would share what was going on with her son. who was very sick. Um, he had contracted the AIDS virus because he was a hemophiliac. Uh, and, she would talk to me about her faith in God. 
She would talk to me about the difficulty in her marriage. I mean, that this was um, God put that woman in my life. Put 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 a, a godly uh, boss, an owner of the company, um, in my life. Um, and over time, like I was born again. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different people. So God, how do you deal with this? Like this is the way it's going to be. This is the world in which we live, and we need to learn how to live in this world, not be of this world. So there's opportunities here with those in your in your life that have subscribed to this lifestyle who are maybe confused. Maybe they're just totally willing and desirous and uh, culture has influenced them. Uh, so now they're identifying as this. And, you know, you read recently, I don't know how it is in other states, all you guys listening to us, but in Colorado, uh, our governor, who is uh, homosexual, uh, it, he just signed into law or is going to sign into law gender-affirming uh, Medicaid uh, aid to those that are going to help uh, with the gender-affirming surgeries or whatever that's going to be. That's our world. And so what do I do? I pray for my governor. Um, I pray for him. I pray for the doctors that might do this surgery, that they would be born again. That's the way life, that's the way culture changes by born again, men and women, uh, by those that are in darkness coming into light. Um, so it is challenging for sure. Um, but the Lord knows and he's going to use us continue. All right. Up to Memphis, Tennessee, Memphis, Tennessee, Kwame, welcome to the program. Hello. Thank you for having Hello. me on your program. You're Hello, welcome. Kwame. Um, very excited to be able to talk to you today because um, there's something that has been on my mind for close to about five years now, and okay. it has to do with the word bless. Okay. I, for five years now, have thought through it and realized that the word bless is not in the Bible. And so I don't see why Christians, or let's say believers, decide to use a word that has two negative connotations, which is the word be and the word less. And so I came up with a, a solution to it, whereby for five years now, I, 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 when I talk to people and they say it to me, I receive it, but I give them back the increase. Because I don't understand why you would say someone should be less when you intend for the person to increase, when we know that there's power in our words as Christians and as human beings speak what we want into existence. So when I say I am being Christ in the Lord, I feel more fulfilled than to say I am blessed in the Lord. I would like you to um, kind of enlighten me a little bit or okay. whether you confirm what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting question. I've never heard this before, um, but listening to you, I'm going to highlight a couple of mistakes you've made in coming to your conclusion. Um, first of all, the origin of the English word bless actually comes to us from the Latin, and it means to praise or to worship. It, it's closely associated with the word bliss, B-L-I-S-S, -S, which is a word in the English language that has the idea of happiness. When we come to the New Testament, so number one, the English word is not a combination of be less, B-E, a, a state of being and less, the word blessed does not, is not made up of those two words. Um, so that, that would be a, a mistake on your part. 
And then secondly, when you say that it's nowhere in the Bible, uh, you're correct. If you were looking at the English word, because the Bible was written, the Old Testament in Hebrew, the New Testament in Greek. So when we think of, you know, I think of that word blessing, I think of uh, Matthew chapter 5 in the New King James. I'll use the New King James for you. Um, In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus, he starts out in verse 3 and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. So the word bless there actually comes to us from the Greek word that has to do with happiness, Uh, that you're in a happy state when you are poor in spirit, Jesus says. It's the Greek word makaroi, makaroi, and it literally means to be in a happy state. Uh, It means to possess the favor of God. So actually, when you tell someone to blessing, you're using the English word bless. Not only does it have connotations of being praised and a word of worship in the English, but when you use the word that's translated from the Greek, you're actually saying to someone that you're wanting them to possess the favor of God. Um, You're actually doing the exact opposite of what you thought the word meant. Um, And while I don't agree with you that you speak things into existence, I do agree that when you pronounce a blessing on someone, it can be received and enjoyed because God's favor is always upon us, rich or poor, strong or weak. Uh, For the born-again believer, we have all things given to us pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of Jesus. So to pronounce blessing on someone is a very positive thing in the English language. And if you would want to, you instead of saying blessing, you could say, um, maka, um, uh, let me read the word. This particular word in Matthew 5 is makarios. Makarios, that means blessed or possess the favor of God or to be marked with the fullness of God. Awesome, awesome. Thank you very much. So you can start using uh, the word again, Kwame. It's a good word. Okay, okay. All right, God uh, bless you, brother. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Have a good day. Okay, bye-bye. 303-690-3000, All right, up to Fort Collins. Fort Collins is Chris. Welcome to the program. I bet you Chris dropped because I see the same question um, popped into the um, text line. So I'm going to do that. Uh, Chris was asking, what do we do with on this rock? I will build my church passage. Specifically, how we translate the phrase this rock? Um, Are Catholics taking it too far? Uh, Yes. Let's answer the second question first. Catholics are in Roman Catholicism, the catechism, the official teaching of the Roman Catholic Church are absolutely taking um, this passage out of context. Um, They have come to the conclusion that somehow Peter not only would be the foundation of the church, like the foundation of the church, um, but also he would be the beginning of the papal uh, authority, which um, is simply nowhere in the Bible, just absolutely foreign. I've been reading recently uh, about the um, the um, I was reading about Wycliffe. I've been reading about John Hus. I've been uh, reading about um, the um, uh, why can't they come to my mind that 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 time right prior to the Reformation, um, you know, around the time of Luther and just the corrupt 
condition of the church during that time. Uh, and you just, you can't, you, you can't make a strong, you can't make a biblical case for Peter being the foundation of the church. Um, I believe, and I think many scholars believe the same thing, that on this rock is a reference to the statement that was made in the previous verse. Uh, well, made uh, in the previous verse 16, you are the Christ, Son of God. It's on, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, excuse me, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock, he doesn't say on you, Peter. I was like, you are Peter. It's kind of a, a play on words, right? Peter here is Petros, um, the Greek word Petros, uh, and it is a massive rock or cliff, a stone. Um, it's a large stone or a fragment of the stone that someone um, might... Um, might Petros is the small stone, and then excuse me, Petros is the small stone, and then on this rock, Petra, the massive stone, is where I'm going to build my church. So Peter, you're a small chip. Uh, you you are a small part of what I'm doing, but I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my church not on man, but on this confession that I am the Christ. I'm I'm going to build the church. I'm going to build it on the confession, not on man. And you're absolutely right. Um, there is no biblical basis whatsoever, zero in all of human history for the papacy or for the Pope or for the man-made religious system we know as Roman Catholicism. There's just not not any basis for that. Uh, and it, Peter is not the first Pope. As a matter of fact, if you look at the in the New Testament, we're studying this verse by verse here at Calvary. The authority and leader in the early church was actually James. Acts chapter 15. Um, and you see that as they were arguing who had the final word. 303-690-3000. It, um, it was not Zwingli. It, uh, Huss, yes, I'm reading about Huss. I'm reading about Wycliffe. And I'm uh, uh, Count uh, Zinzendorf and the Moravians. The Moravians. What a fascinating group of believers. What a fascinating group of believers. And I've been reading up on them. Uh, recently, just super encouraged by how God used them. Unbelievable. There's always a remnant. Uh, even in our day, there's always a remnant. 303-690-3000. Uh, let's go back to Penny in PG County, Maryland. What's PG? Prince George. Prince George, Prince George County. County. Welcome. You're on Hello. the air, Penny. Hi. Um, I have a Hi. question in reference to prayer. So can you undo a prayer that, that you already have prayed? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh. You can change your mind. You bet. Oh. Okay, the reason why I ask that, because my son, my son had, uh, he's an alcoholic, and I had prayed between this prayer. I said, Lord, if he has to go to jail, we don't go to jail. So my son had called me the other day. I made me have to go to jail because I got a DUI. Yeah. So I said, Lord, I don't want my son to go to jail, <laughs> but yeah. tomorrow, it, we we have court tomorrow. So he have court tomorrow, and um, that's what I'm saying. You know, so think about a, a it this way. Think about it this way, Penny. When you pray, 
you're praying what's on your heart, you're talking out loud, you're expressing your feelings to God. But ultimately, when you and I pray, we pray in Jesus' name, right? We, we say at the end of our dialogue with God, we end it with this sense of, in Jesus' name, amen. And what we're doing is, is God, I know where I'm at right now. I know what I want. I know what my desire is. Kind of like you said, you know, let him go to jail. And now you're, you're changing your mind on that, uh, which is great because you have a mom's heart for your son. But what you're really praying is, God, I commit my son into your hands. And if he goes to jail, I know that that's what he needs. And if you let him out of jail and show mercy, then I will. I know that's what your will is for his life. But we, we need to pray according to the will of God. So even though you've changed your own mind, you know God is going to answer your prayers according to his will. Um, you and I don't control God, right? Um, we, don't, we don't say something, oh, there's, there's Penny and Ed. I better change my mind and do what they say. No, God's will stands. And he's, what he's doing with us is he's changing our hearts. You know, maybe you were, again, I don't know, but let's just say, ma'am, you were so distraught and so upset and you're just so crying. Oh God, just let him go to jail. But through your prayer, God began to change your heart and go, no, you just trust your son with me. When you go into court, plead mercy, trust me. If he goes to jail, that's my will. If he gets out, that's my will. But here is where your son has, is going to face the consequences of his decisions and God is going to use it in his life. And so when you think of changing your prayer, you're really just changing your mind and trusting God in your prayers. Well, thank you. That sounds so so calm and so clear now. Because I, I thought that I was saying, like, I want my son to go to jail. I asked him to go to jail, but now he may be facing jail. When he called me and said, Mom, maybe facing jail. And I immediately say, Lord, I, I, maybe I should not say, but now listening to what you're saying, it makes a lot of sense because God will, will be done. You know, and, and I, you know, I, what, what we want, what, what we want too is for your son to stop drinking. Uh, we want your son to no longer drink and drive. He's not only putting himself in danger, but he's putting so many other people in danger. And this is a part of my past. And I look back and I'm so grateful. Uh, although I do, I did go to jail and I did have to pay the price for, my sins, but God was also merciful for me, and He used all of that to bring get my attention, so that I would come to Him and I would sober up, and my life would change. And so, whatever God's going to do with your son, ultimately, and what He's going to allow with your son, ultimately, we want your son to set aside the bottle and get his life right with God. And I know that's your heart. Heart. Oh my gosh, yes, that's my heart. Lord knows that. And I pray yes, he does. if he does go to jail, I say, Lord, let someone go in his circle, be in his circle, in his place. That's right. That's right. Over, yes. Yeah. I agree. Father, I pray for Penny. Just her love for her son is very evident. And I know that her son is in trouble. And for number one, God, I'm grateful he didn't die. I'm grateful he didn't kill anyone while he's drinking and driving. And I pray, God, that through this whole scary time, that he would snap out of where he's at and he would repent and surrender his life to the God who loves him, sent his son Jesus to die for him, and that he, God, would feel the love of his mom and the unconditional love of a mom that really only a mom can express in a special motherly way toward her boy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Okay, Penny. Bye-bye. Oh, man, so heavy. 
I I look back and I'm very grateful I didn't hurt anyone as drinking and driving. Um, I regret it. I regret every memory I have of any of the wicked things I did when I was drunk or on the under the influence. And maybe I'm speaking to someone right now that just has this little attitude, well, whatever, I can get drunk or whatever, I can smoke a joint or especially as this this station, you know, here in Colorado, of course, it's legal. Um, maybe in other states listening, it's become legal as well. But man, it's not right. Just because something's legal doesn't mean it's right. When a government decides, oh, I can make all this tax money and I don't really care what happens to people, that doesn't make it right. God wants us to be sober-minded. He doesn't want you operating a vehicle under the influence. He doesn't want you under the influence. He doesn't want you drunk with wine. He wants you being filled with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want you dabbling in the party scene. He doesn't. He wants you to live righteous, holy lives that are consecrated and set apart to him. This is not some theological thing. This is not some, well, you know, that's just what you guys believe. No, it's God's heart for us. God, God's heart for us is that we live upright, moral lives that are in tune with him by relationship. And... Man, the Lord wants you. He is um he is passionately pursuing you. Um He is wanting you to come into full relationship. So listen, please receive my word. Repent. Repent. Don't don't even don't don't even take that as a heavy word like, oh, there's the pastor preacher there, all his Bible words. Take it as a pastor and a fellow brother and a guy that walked that road 30 years ago for many, many years that there is a better life waiting for you than the bottle. There is better life waiting for you than being under the influence all the time, even prescription drugs, you know, that were supposed to be taken partly because of your surgery and your pain, but now you're addicted to them. Set them aside. If you would just in my office, I, I can think, I won't name their names, but I have these faces. I'm going to think of them. I'm going to pray for them. Thinking of parents that are dealing with uh, drug-addicted kids. Um, and I do pray for those parents today, God. The, the faces that uh, are f- flipping through my mind right now and then many others listening around the country that have kids that are strayed and walked away. They're prodigals and they're gripped by addiction I pray that you would break them free from their addictions strengthen their parents as they wait and just like my sister Penny just whatever it takes to get my boy in a right relationship with you Jesus and just going back and forth feeling guilty and shame and and just what am I supposed to pray how can I pray what does it mean Lord show mercy on us in our weaknesses you know even back to the person that wants um that wants to, um, you know, wants to um, just be overwhelmed, beat themselves up. I pray for deliverance. If one less person will drink, drive, one less person drive drunk, one less person drive uh, that's under the influence, then many lives will be saved. And I even think, I know we have friends here that were, um, had their parents and their siblings killed by drunk drivers. And I pray for my brother right now. I can think of him. Um, it's painful. It's painful, Lord. Deliver. 
and bring us into that place of holy, righteous living in these last days. What a powerful force in a dark world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, maybe you're struggling right now. Uh, maybe you, you've already taken some drinks. Hop in an Uber. Don't drive. Hop in an Uber. Come to church tonight. Let the Lord sober you up with his love, his mercy, his grace. Do not drive. Do not drive. Ever again drunk. Don't ever do it. Let the Lord deliver you. Let him strengthen you. Let him show you his plan and purpose for your life. The world is cycling out of control in a way that we've never experienced before. But God is not stumbled. God is not shaken. He is the one that shakes. He is the one that brings stability. And so we look to him. We're going to be gathered together tonight in a couple hours uh, here at Calvary Church, Hampton and Tower. You guys, it's worth the drive. Come on out. You guys out across the country, go ahead. Join us live. Uh, hop online, get our app. Uh, we send a notification out all the time. So you can just click it and come right through. And, um, and look at this. I just got a text from one of the brothers whose faces was on my mind. He's listening. So I love you, bro. You were actually one of the people I was thinking of. And, um, we're going to be with you all the way to the end and we're going to see what God's going to do. We're not going to quit, even though we feel like it, even though it's hard. Come to church tonight, calvaryco.church. We'd love to have you. Um, Thanks for allowing me to be a part of your life today. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.